What's up guys, welcome to today's money. Thank you for listening, I appreciate you being here. If you'd like to watch the video version of this podcast, there's a link for that in the description. And if you wanna jump right into the podcast, skip the next 30 seconds of ad space. What's up guys, we're back, part two of the Q&A. It is beautiful out here. I'm super excited to be here with you guys to go into these questions. And I think this part's gonna be even more detailed than part one. So, Big Mike, a couple of questions here from Big Mike. First, what setup and computer system is needed to get started trading Forex? Right now, it's an amazing time to be alive because as we go through this digital age, this technological change across every country, every continent, everything just coming closer together, technology makes it easier for us to be active in the markets. So now you don't need multiple screens. You actually can operate off just one. Right now when I'm at home and trading, you've seen my iMac. It's just one screen and I do use an iPad or my other laptop sometimes when I'm doing calls, but right now you can run off one screen. I just think that people overcomplicate it. They think it's fancy and then you ever, you get overdone. It's overdoing it with so many screens. I had four screens at one time, three screens at one time. It's just too much. Remember, do less, do it better, do it bigger. Less screens, better trades, bigger trades. You don't need 17 charts going on at once. Second question, I'm new to Forex. What is a good amount you suggest newbies get started with when ready to trade live? So, good question. I think it's important to emphasize the when you're ready because most people just jump in and they throw money into the market. You have to demo first, you've gotta practice first, find that system and really build confidence in it before you can go in and trade with your hard-earned income right? Most people just jump in and they start throwing money around. So what I always emphasize when I answer this question to anybody in person, in a video, whatever, I always just say two things. One, make sure it's money that you can afford to lose. It shouldn't be rent money. It shouldn't be grocery money, not money that you need for emergency medical bills. This is not an emergency fund. This is your long-term investment vehicle. So that's the first thing is it should be money that you can afford to lose. And I always say at least a thousand US dollars is a good chunk of change for most people to start with. Some are more fortunate. They can start with more. Some are not. They can't start with a thousand, but either way, I think a thousand is a good place to start. I had a guy reach out to me yesterday and he just got, got a bunch of money from a settlement that he was involved in. And he's like, should I put it all into the account? And I was like, no, start at a thousand, start at 10,000, whatever it is for him and add to it. You know, you don't need to dump it all in. It just doesn't make sense to put all your eggs into that one basket. You're gonna make beginner mistakes. That's the point. And to avoid losing a lot of money on those beginner mistakes, you just wanna take your time and add to the account slowly. Like I said, a long-term investment vehicle. So another question from Mike, do you group, does our group share trades and info so we all win together? Absolutely. The beautiful thing about the community that we've built here at ASFX is everyone has to go through the course before they can get into our chat. So they have to consume the knowledge so we all speak the same language when we get into the chat and when we get into the charts every day. And this actually ties into another question I had here. Is your beginner strategy in the course long-term if I follow it for life? You can't guarantee that. I'm never gonna stand here and try to say that. But it's been working for me for the last four years, almost five years now. And I think that if we constantly are trying to grow into it and refine the edge, then it's just gonna adapt a little bit, but stay consistent over time. So it's a way of reading charts. It's a, it's a way of interpreting the language of price that I'm showing you in the course that you can carry through to any other market and it shouldn't change ever, as long as we're looking at candlesticks. Another really good question, what is your number one tip for brand new traders with no experience? I actually have three. First, it's get educated. Find a system, find rules, and start to practice it. That'll take you to step two. Demo trade that system. Practice it every day behind a routine that you're gonna follow when you go into step three and fund it with live money. Those are the three steps that you could follow. So anyone with no experience, education, demo, implementation with live account. It's that simple, it's three simple steps. Don't overcomplicate this. 
Another question here, do you want a girl or a boy first as your kid? To me, for some reason, when Riley and I talk about this, I always end up saying he, so I'm probably gonna end up with a boy, but then I say that now and Riley wants three kids and it'll end up being three girls, so I have no idea and I don't really care. I think I'll make them all traders either way. Just kidding. Another question, why don't I show my profits? I was actually talking about that today on my Instagram story because I showed my Euro GBP trade and it, it's changed a lot for me but it started five years ago when I was pushing the same mindset I'm saying today, which is you gotta treat your first account like it's your million dollar account, because over time, if you fund it with extra income, if you win trades, that account grows, and you won't need to try to stretch and risk 5% of your account on one trade. It's just not gonna happen. Instead, you can actually trade smaller size and make more money because the account is bigger and it's a smaller piece of risk in an overall bigger pie. So a $100,000 account can risk a quarter of a percent and make more money than a $1,000 account risking say 2%, 3%. I don't know the exact numbers, I'm not good at quick math, but you get my point. The bigger the account, the smaller the overall risk that can still make you big money. So I don't show my money because of that and because of privacy and because I think everybody that comes into our group starts at a different point. If I showed you how much money I'm trading right now, it might discourage some people. It might encourage other people. It creates a bias. Whereas if we just look at percentages that everybody can speak to, then we're looking at something that we all are in the same boat with, all kind of going towards the same vision. The way that I describe it is we're all walking in the same direction towards our goal, which is financial freedom and independence, but we all have a different path in front of us. Some of us it's a little bit more bumpy, some of us it's a little bit more smooth and it changes, but you can't compare dollars to dollars because it'll just start throwing too many preconceived and, 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 and too many biases into the mix there. Percentages is something that we all can speak on. So that's why I go that way about it. Another good question, how to become confident on my setups? For me, it's practice. I say this to everybody in our group all the time, chart markups, putting in the reps, getting to the gym, the mental gym, on the chart every day at four o'clock for my Facebook Live video for our 300 plus members, that's my mental confidence builder in my system. When I go to the chart every day and I analyze the winners, the losers, the trade ideas that we didn't take, all of it, and I take in information from there to then apply it into the next day to go and be better. That's how I build confidence going forward. Two more questions, really good questions. Number one, what is the best way to become objective to market conditions? This is something I'm gonna be talking about a lot more. You'll hear it from me, I think, in the coming months. The difference between subjective and objective trading. Objective is the science, it's the hard facts, the way the trend is moving, the current price action, the current indicators. Those are not up to interpretation. But then we have the subjective part of trading. And his question saying, what's the best way to become objective to market conditions? Well, it's to apply solid rules behind those facts, those objective points that we can't argue. You can't argue the way price is moving. You can't argue then the indicators that are running off of that price movement. So it's like, get back to the hard facts that you cannot argue, which is price. That'll keep you objective. And then build rules around price movement and indicators that take in price data, build rules around that to keep you objective instead of letting you become subjective, which is where the opinions come into play and where you start to make emotional decisions. That has its place in it. For example, today we were talking about overextended candles, and I don't have an exact definition for overextended candles, but I know it when I see it because experience has taught it to me, and the subjectivity that I've gained through my experience, the five years of trading, has given me the knowledge to be subjective in that, situ in that situation to analyze that overextended candle. Subjective versus objective. And this leads me into the last question of this Q&A video. <clears throat> Let me know in the comments if you want me to keep doing these because we got probably 150 questions, so I couldn't do them all, it's impossible. But if you want me to keep doing them, just keep hitting me up on Instagram. The last question is, what would you tell someone who's indecisive? 
Again, this kind of even goes back to the first thing we talked about, question number one over there when I did part one. It's really a tough conversation to have with me because to me, it's in here. You decide you're gonna do something, you do it. And you don't give up, you don't stop. Even if it's hard, because those hard things are where you get the most return. The hardest things that you've ever tried to do in your life, you've probably found that in the long run, they're super, super valuable. So to anyone that's indecisive, I would say decide something and act. Don't sit still because that lack of action is actually an action. It's not moving you anywhere. It's, if anything, moving you backward. And that is something. You can't say you're not doing anything. You're doing something. You're not going the right way. So instead of being indecisive, choose something, weigh out your probabilities, whether it's a trade, a relationship, a business decision, whatever it is, weigh out your pros and cons, weigh out your probabilities, and act. Decide, move forward, and if you fail, it's okay. The only reason you're indecisive is because you're afraid to fail, and there's no reason to be. I'm here to support you, the people in our group are here to support you. Decide, fail, analyze, learn from it, and grow, or decide, win, move forward, and then do it again. It's just about making decisions and moving forward, which goes back to action. Action will always lead you forward. Even if it's a short-term failure, if you continue to act, you'll learn, you'll grow, and you'll move forward. So I hope that helps. I hope that covers a good amount of the questions that you guys submitted. I really appreciate everybody who has submitted them. Like I said, just so many questions, so much love. Thank you for listening to Today's Money. If you wanna check out the video that goes along with this episode, there's a link in the show notes. Now make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to so you don't miss any future episodes. And if there's anything that I can do to help you along your trading journey, please reach out to me. My contact info is in the description as well. Thank you very much, and I'll see you in the next episode.